Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Thank you for that worship, Brandon and team. Uh, it was really, really awesome. Um, quick disclaimer. In the first service, I got choked up for like a full minute. Not because I was emotional, but because I just simply couldn't talk. So I don't know what's going on, but I got some cough drops and I got my water. And if we need to take just a minute for you to just bear the awkward with, awkwardness with me while I cry and, you know, get, get it out of my system, then I just want to give you the heads up now, okay? It'll help me a lot, and I think it'll help you too. So um, we are jumping into 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, almost nearing the end, uh, looking at verse 17 today, which is awesome, awesome uh, verse where the Apostle Paul just breaks out in doxology, uh, which is kind of this outburst of praise, bringing glory to God. Um, and so we're going to focus all in on that verse today. Uh, focus all in on that passage and uh, take it word by word almost, okay? Uh, before we do, let me go ahead and just say, I think Pastor Brett already mentioned, we have a bunch of sign-up tables back there filled with wonderful opportunities for you to be a part of this place at a, at a unique level, at a deeper level. And we'll talk about all of that. Uh, let me go ahead and just say they'll be out there all uh, month and probably beyond. Um, so uh, if you walk out of today feeling like you don't really know what you want to do, you want to take some time to pray about it, perfect. Would love for you to come to that conclusion. We don't want to feel, we don't want you to feel totally, uh, you know, overburdened, you know, by all of this. But at the same time, we do want you to feel it. There's a lot of things at FBN uh, that could not happen if those were not in place. Um, and not only that, but we also are presenting our uh, groups today um, and starting signups for that. Um, and it is going to be vital uh, to the life of this place. Um, connection, community, we all know that this is what we've been called to do, so we're going to uh, take it through that route, okay? So all that to say, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into the passage. Father, thank you so much for this morning. We're grateful for your love and care and provision for the work that you've already done in our midst, uh, for the opportunity we have to just declare your praise. Uh, Father, it's so awesome, so fitting uh, to talk about you, your power, your, your almighty nature, your sovereign nature. Father, today as we unpack this deeper, I pray that people would be moved to worship. Uh, maybe worship you for the first time. Maybe they've been going through the motions before. But today, uh, that they might enter into authentic worship with you initially and have a, 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 a relationship with you and a connection with their creator. For everyone in here, God, would you draw us to worship? Uh, use your word to do so. Use your spirit to speak to us. Um, and God, please, please join us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there was a, a once, well, let me start with a question, actually, and then I'll tell you the story. Um, if I were to ask you, what is the singular, maybe not singular, but what is so unique about Christianity compared to all other religions, what would you say in a word? Give me one word that makes the Christian faith unique compared to all other religions. What word would you say? All right. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I can't hear you that well, but you're probably, you're probably close, all right? Um, but uh, C.S. Lewis had an answer for that. I love this story. You've probably heard it. There was a conference one time about comparative religions, and it was this question that was brought to the table. And as these uh, high thinkers were, you know, talking about it, uh, during the discussion, C.S. Lewis entered in, and when he was told what the discussion was about, he said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. Did anybody say that in the murmurings that I heard? Okay, a few of you did. Awesome. Grace. I think I agree. There's a lot of good answers to that word, by the way. But grace is a good one, right? 
And the reason I agree is because of this. Our world is filled with systems and constructs and religions that are built upon getting what you deserve, right? The justice system exists because of that reason. Whether that means a good payday for you or a higher place of honor or a lower place of honor or a good standing with your religious system or God, whoever or whatever that might be, it's all conditional. You get what you work for, uh, and if you don't do a good job, you're going to be punished. It's all conditional. Grace stands against that. Grace is by itself. It's unconditional. It's unmerited. It's undeserving. It's countercultural. It's non-instinctive. It's illogical. And when the world blesses and curses based on what you can offer or can't offer, the grace of God says, you have nothing to offer, and I have offered you everything still. Amen? Those of you in here who have known his grace, you know you have, you have nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer God, and yet he still has offered us everything. And it's because of this, Christians are not living. We don't have to live to solicit God's favor, to appease his wrath. You don't have to step uh, every single day asking, am I going to be good enough for God today? Right? I, I did this thing. Oh, no, is he going to smite me? Is he going to uh, curse my life in this way? Or we also don't have to expend ourselves trying to earn anything from him because we can't. We just can't. So Christians aren't called to live soliciting from God, and we're not called to uh, be appeasing God. We are called to live perpetually in response to all of the good that he's already given, to the grace that he has already offered, right? And so it's this uh, response to grace. We actually see this pattern in the scriptures from Paul. And so I want to read a little bit about it, and I want to invite Seth up, who's going to read our passage this morning. Um, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. He's going to read verses 15 through 17. And if you are capable, would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Um, I can't sing scripture as beautifully as Brandon and Grace, so I'm just going to read it like normal. First <laughs> um, Timothy uh, 1, 15 through 17. It's on page 1051 in the Black Bibles. Um, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I receive mercy for this reason. So that in me, the worst of them, Jesus Christ, might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, man. You can have a seat. So we see glimpses of... The Apostle Paul's response to grace there, and we're going to um, walk you through kind of that pattern. Um, this is a pattern of our response to grace, and you can see it right there as he remembers. That's number one. He remembers, right? Verse 13, uh, he says, even though I was formerly, that's remembering, right, formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, right? Later, he calls himself the worst of sinners. Part of responding to grace is understanding that you need it. The part of understanding that you Part of the understanding that you need it is, be, is when you come to realize or remember that you have a sinful condition, that we all have a sinful condition. It's a really hard thing for people to understand these days is that, that they are sinners, 
that we have a nature about us that is not uh, aligning with God, the Father who created us, that things aren't now as he intended them to be. And a lot of times it leaves this hole in our stomach, and a lot of people try to fill that hole with anything else rather than just acknowledge that there's something here that I can't fix about myself, right? And so there's this remembrance, right? Paul remembers who he was before. If you're here, the word for you, for you if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the word for you is realize. Realize you have nothing to offer God. Realize that you have a hole in the pit of your stomach that needs filled. Realize that it is um, um, the grace of God that you need to save you from your sin. And when you do have that realization, when you do remember that as believers, and by the way, that's good practice for us to occasionally remember from what we've been saved from because of what it produces in us is worship. The second thing that you would do in the pattern is receive, right? Believers need to be in perpetual receipt of God's grace. Even believers hold shame and guilt for far too long. But if you're here and you've never put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, you need to receive his mercy and grace initially and for all time. Right? We see that with the Apostle Paul where he says in verse uh, 13, halfway through, I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And when you receive that, what comes with it is so wonderful. It's what I'm going to call a resolve. A resolve. Look at what Paul says in verse 12. He says that Jesus Christ appointed him to the ministry. In verse 16, it says that Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to others. Right? So the apostle Paul received God's grace, but in doing so, he found his calling. Right? He knew what to live for. The gospel of grace of Jesus Christ not only assures us of this life, but it gives us purpose. It gives us resolve and joy, joyful responsibility in this life as well, which is amazing, right? How many of you have ever felt the feelings of emptiness, purposelessness? You don't know what you're supposed to do with your life. You've probably felt that before. Well, listen, if you have Jesus Christ, I can tell you exactly why, you've, why you're here. I can tell you. It's to do the work of the ministry of the gospel and is to be an example of his patience so that others may see Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, there's so much freedom and peace in knowing what I'm here for. I felt those feelings. I've struggled with that resolve because I didn't have it in my life. I struggled with that. And the Lord has given it to me and it, it comes through the grace of Jesus Christ where through his grace we receive not only his grace and mercy but a joyful responsibility and a resolve to know what we're here for, to know what he wants us to be about, which is him. It brings joyful purpose and calling into life. It brings immense spiritual value to our living and our working. And when you are in that place of peace and alignment with the Lord and you're grappling and understanding his grace and mercy on your life to save you from, from that sinful condition that you, that you had to where now you're not identified by all that stuff, what is the appropriate response? Reverence of worship and praise to God Almighty. And that's exactly what we see here in verse 17. The Apostle Paul, so taken by God's grace and mercy in his own life that he can't help but to just break out. Now to the king right? Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever and ever. Amen. He can't help but to just let it flow. You ever had those moments where you're just going about your daily whatever, and you come across that thing, whatever that is, that just kind of triggers this, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I am the Lord's, right? 
COVID probably did that for a lot of you, right? The fact that we have no control over anything, and yet we worship a God who has sovereign control over it all, and you just have that impulse to just worship him, you just break out, right? That's exactly what is going on here. Verse 17, the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, and amen. And so this morning, I want to start by just offering something to you. We're going to get into verse 17. But if you're here and you've never realized that you need saving, you've never had that realization, and now you see maybe even for the first time the angst, the inner turmoil, the empty feeling in your stomach, the feelings of being without purpose or struggling with that, and you might understand maybe today first and, you know, initially that this is all because you have yet to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that saves you by the blood that he shed on your behalf. And if that's you, man, today could be your day of belief and salvation. You could put your faith and hope in him today and receive his grace this morning and let him set upon you a resolve in your heart for living, for worship, for connection with your creator that you've never known before. I want you to know that's available to you. We're covering it now. We almost covered every single service. But if you, if that's you, then please let us know. We want to celebrate that with you, and we want to get you started on the right track. Okay? We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. We've all felt the space between us and God. The only difference between some and others is whether or not you've received his grace. And I want you pray that you would receive his grace today. And if you do, let us know. See me after the service. Tell somebody. Fill out a connect card and and, uh, check off the box that says, I received Christ today. Or you can go to our website right now, literally, and check off the box, right? There's a connect card right on the main page, and you can let us know, and we'll follow up with you this week and give you everything you need to start well with the Lord. Awesome, right? But listen, uh, we're going to spend some time in verse 17 this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I hope you're okay uh, to just take some time to gloat on the Lord today. Is that all right? Okay, we're going to do that. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. We're going to take it piece by piece, okay? You ready? All right. Now to the king. I love that. That's why I called it. That's why the title of this sermon, which you can't see right now, is Now to the King. That's just a cool line, right? Now to the King. As you think about kings, you think about Lord of the land. You think about the sovereign one over his dominion, whatever that might be. And you've got to understand that King God is so much greater than any other king that has ever existed. Any king that I've ever heard of, any ruler that has ever existed, right, is either dead or is dying, but not our God. They've only ever controlled small portions. They've tried to uh, control much more. Our God controls this world and everything beyond it. The ever-expanding universe, our God, controls that. He has sovereign control over it all. He is king over it all. Amen? He's eternal king. He's the eternal king. Literally, this means king of the ages. Right? He's not bound by space and time like every other ruler has been. He's ruler over everything. He was before it all. He built it all. He's sovereign over it all. He rules it all. He has purpose in it all. And nothing will or could ever change that, despite what it might feel at times. I think there's an infatuation with royalty, right? Anybody track all of the, uh, uh, the UK royalty and the, you know, the royal family and all that stuff? Uh, thinking of that, specifically, you know, the, the royalty in the UK, it's amazing how obsessed people can become about the royal family. 
right? TV shows and movies and documentaries, they're, they're constant, and I get it to an extent. Uh, many of these people are in my family, right? They love, I'm looking at one of them right now, uh, they love the royal family, and I get it. It's, it's very intriguing, right? But it's actually been kind of retri- intriguing even to me who doesn't usually care that much. Um, when senior members of royalty uh, um, renounce their positions, right? So Harry and Meghan, right? They're no longer part of that deal. And I watched that um, uh, interview. Me and my wife watched that interview that they had with Oprah because we're just diehard Oprah fans. And you guys know this about us, right? Diehard, right? And so Oprah's interviewing them and they're talking about, you know, how they needed space. Um, they tried to become junior members who, uh, of royalty, uh, whatever that means, who, who fulfilled their scaled-back duties from Canada. And the palace responded with, okay, no more security for you. Why do they need security? Because they're royalty and people are crazy. And so they're going to get chased down. They're going to get hunted down. They're, you know, you need security, I guess, if you're at that profile. So after their security was removed, uh, they did as all rich homeless people do, and they went and lived three months living in Tyler Perry's house in California, which I think is really funny. Now, um, living off of uh, Princess Diana's inheritance, uh, they have their own home, they have their own business, uh, their own family, and hardly any support of any kind from the palace. And it makes you wonder, you know, why, why would somebody go through that transition? And their answer was simply no support. They felt trapped. Uh, what it was producing in their minds was not good. Depression, suicidal thoughts, on and on. Basically, they felt like pawns bound to generations of saving face. Right? And after watching this video, I had two thoughts, three really. Um, the first one is not as significant. It's just always striking how Oprah always seems to be facing a strong wind. With her hair, just, it stays back. Have you ever noticed that? She's always looking, you know, against the wind. But the second is this, that it's all child's play. Uh, uh, listening to the drama, all of the trappings, all of the drama within the royal family, it's all just child's play. It's like a, you know, a couple of kids playing mom and dad with their stuffed animals compared to God's ability to rule and reign in grace and in justice and in peace, right? What they're doing, who even knows, right? And now that the UK is a democracy, they're, they're nothing more than, than artifacts of what used to be, right? Emblems to be worshipped, much like how some people treat our American flag, right? Just, it's an image to be worshipped. The third thought I had is this. They are worshipped, intensely worshipped, right? People have been made to worship, and we will worship pretty much anything that promises anything. It's in the core of our DNA as human beings. But when we worship people, what it creates is truly a trapping, It's a trapping for those who are being worshipped, who cannot stand under the pressure and soon crumble, as we see with many celebrities, with many um, Christian celebrities, who so easily, under the weight of constant fame and attention, give themselves to poor attitudes that that, uh, basically they, they endure a failure out of ministry. They give themselves to some sexual thing or some whatever it is. They can't stand the weight, and they usually end up contradicting themselves at some point in time. But it's also a trapping to those of us who put our worship towards people and things that, though they're shiny and charismatic, don't offer anything, nor can they stand under the weight of worship. God, however, he's he's the king of the ages. 
He does not diminish. He does not spoil. He does not fade. He is forever. Psalm 145 verse 13 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all of his words and gracious in all of his actions. Don't waste your worship on those who cannot stand the pressure of it. Don't waste your worship on those who can't take it. God is the only one who can because it was all meant for him anyways. He created it, so let your worship be his and his alone. Amen? He's eternal. He's immortal. Sounds pretty similar, doesn't it? He's immortal. There's not much in the world that does not eventually waste away, but God is immortal. He does not decay or diminish. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Still, still holding my ground here. Not only is he immortal, but so is all that is tied to his nature, right? So we see this in the Old Testament clearly. First Chronicles 16, his faithful love endures forever. It says that 50 plus times in the Old Testament. Endures forever. He's love, right? And so if it's tied to his nature, it also endures. He has that everlasting effect. Psalm 102, his fame endures forever. Psalm 111, his righteousness, Psalm 111, also his praise. Psalm 117, his faithfulness. Psalm 119, his word is everlasting. Also, his righteous judgments endure forever. Psalm 135, his name endures forever. Lamentations 5, his throne endures from generation to generation. Now, what's awesome is that although everything connected to his nature is eternal and immortal, that he gives us a glimpse of it. He actually shares some of it with us, right? It helps us endure this life, certainly gives us an everlasting hope beyond this life. It works on our behalf. We see this in the New Testament, Mark 13. We can endure persecution, even to the end, it says. 1 Corinthians 13, we can have a love that endures all things. James 1, we can endure trials. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says that we can endure grief, I've seen some of the Christians go through the, the wildest things in this life, and they make it through on the other end with a smile on their face, eventually. How? Because God's immortal. That's how. And it doesn't come naturally to us. It's not our default, but through faith. He imparts these things to us by his grace and his spirit so that we can stand the test of time, stand the test of the world, stand the test of all these things. And when eventually our breath is taken from us for the last time, we're with him everlasting. He's immortal and he's shared it with us. Not only is he eternal, immortal, he's also invisible. But just because he is invisible does not mean he cannot be seen, right? Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says his invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. It's interesting that what is invisible, his invisible attributes, can be seen and understood through what he has created. Interesting. Right? It goes on. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Right? So God, invisible as he is, expresses himself certainly through 
creation, right? You can see his attributes through creation, but also through his word, through his spirit, through his people. Ultimately, through Jesus Christ, who is the visible image of the invisible God. It's another one of those unique things about Christianity, right? We believe Jesus was more than just a guy, more than just a prophet, more than just a man. He was the visible image of the invisible God. He was God himself, right? That's Jesus. That's God. He is invisible, but he has made himself known, which is hugely amazing, right? Not only that, but his invisibility, I think, is awesome because it means he's not bound by anything visible, right? He created all that is visible and invisible, according to Colossians 1. And despite much popular belief, there is a very real, invisible world and realm that surrounds us, that is against us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that controls this world and manipulates our culture. And we can see the effects of it all and the detriment that it brings to our world, but at the same time, we cannot see the invisible cause. We know what it is according to the scriptures, but we can't see it. But God's invisible. He created it. So he's not just sovereign over the visible, but the invisible as well. And it's with that that I take much hope and much confidence, and it requires faith. But if you have the faith to believe that he is sovereign over what is invisible, whether that's what's right around us or what the future holds or whatever is invisible, then you have some confidence in Jesus Christ to stand those things, right? And by the way, if you want to enter into the invisible realm, the best way is by prayer, right? Though the act of it is visible, who knows what God does with the prayer of the faithful person? He uses them for good, but we can't see it, right? We're called to pray for the persecuted church, to pray for others even when we don't know their lives intimately, and we trust that God is using those in invisible ways to impact their lives. You want to enter into the invisible world and be a part of it, then you pray and give those prayers to God and let him use them for his good and trust that he has sovereign control over what is visible and invisible. Amen? Amen? He's not only eternal, he's not only invisible, he's not only immortal, but he is the only God. Hear me, the only God. The Greek words at play here uh, in this passage are literally monos and theos. Mono meaning one, like monogamy, right? One spouse. Um, and then theos, which is God. So one God, it's monotheism. That's literally the word right here, right? Well, only God. There's only one. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, and I love the sarcastic tone there, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him, and we exist through him. There's one. There's one. And there's two things I want to say about this onlyness of God. The first is this exclusivity, of course. There's only one. There is nobody else who is eternal, invisible, immortal. The only, that it's only him, right? But even within him, the Godhead, what we also need to see in, when we say the only God is that there are actually three persons within the singular God at play. Right? We affectionately know this as the Trinity. It's not a word that you'll see in the Bible, but it's certainly the doctrine of the Bible, that there are three separate persons coexisting, co-unified together, completely and contently together, 100%, same in form and nature, everything, and yet they exist in three separate persons. Right? It blows my mind. If it blows yours too, that's, that's right. 
for it to do so, okay? But yet we are monotheistic. This is not three different gods we're talking about. It is one God. I had a Bible professor who put it this way. They are the same in nature, separate in person, and submissive in duty. And we see this distinction of personhood through, uh, through the scriptures. I'll give you a few examples right now. We already saw one in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 that says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, right? So they're completely together, completely united, completely one, and yet one's visible, one's not. There's a personal distinction between the two. God is spirit. God is invisible. Jesus is visible, right? There's another one, uh, John 14, 26. These are two of like many, by the way. Uh, the counselor who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you, right? The Holy Spirit is sent in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't ever read that God was sent in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Holy Spirit. This is that submissive and duty part that the Holy Spirit responds uh, when Jesus and when God calls it to, uh, to motion, Right? Jesus was sent, and then he ascended, and after the ascension, the Holy Spirit was sent. And so you see the distinct persons in, in all three of these, right? So we see the distinction of person, but make no mistake, please, we worship one God. We worship one God. When you pray to one, they all hear it. When you hear from one, you hear from all. When you serve one, you serve all. When you deny one, you deny all. And when you worship one, you worship all. Speaking of worship, he's worthy, isn't he? Absolutely worthy. The Bible says here, be honor, be glory. The word honor in the Greek literally means value or price. What he's saying here is, God, you are of the highest value. You are the most priceless of all things. The word glory in the Greek is the word doxa which is why we call this a doxology. It's a breakout of bringing glory to Jesus Christ. Right. So what Paul is saying here in verse 17 is, God, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of the highest levels of value and glory, and you will be forever and ever and ever. And the appropriate response to this is what? Amen. That's what he says. Amen. It's a funny word. A lot of times we say it passively, you know, at the end of praying for lunch and, you know, that kind of stuff. But amen is actually a, uh, a word for confident agreement, that you are sure that whatever has just been said is true and will come through, right? You hear it said among church services. You hear it said in songs. You hear it said um, as people are praying and they say things and it just connects with another person's heart and they say amen. That means I agree, absolutely. I, I, I fully believe that this will be the case. It's a confident agreement. And today we confidently agree together in God the Father's, Jesus the Son's, Holy Spirit's almightiness and sovereign nature over all things. God is worth it, isn't he? God is worth it, isn't he? God is worth every bit of your worship, isn't he? Amen. And so what I want to do today is just end with a call to worship, Okay? And I don't mean a call to worship as in like, let's worship, let's sing a song, and then you go to your, your life and forget about all of this that just happened, right? That's not what we're doing today. I had three hopeful outcomes when it comes to worship. First is this, 
that we would be able to worship God based purely on who he is. Grace and mercy aside, don't even think about what he's done for you, which he's done everything for you. Put it aside. Just think about who he is alone, worthy of your worship. Worthy of your worship. He created you. He knows you better than you know you. He is above it all. He's sovereign over it all. He's worthy of your worship. Even, even grace aside. But in his good character, he didn't put grace aside, did he? He extended himself to us. He extended himself to me and you. And so we would worship him based on who he is, but we would also worship him based on his grace and mercy that he has afforded us. Like Paul, overwhelmed that we were once sinners, saved by grace, and he has set us on a foundation with purpose in our hearts. The third is this, not that we would just worship him for for who he is or worship him for what he's done for us, but also, as one commentator put it, that we would worship him with lives marked by faithful integrity that stands and perseveres in the fight. And this is a little forecasting for for next week when Pastor Brett is going to lead us in the remaining verses of chapter 1. Uh, in which Paul reminds Timothy of his calling so that he may fight the good fight with faith and a good conscience. That he wouldn't succumb to the difficult context of ministry around him, but that he would engage, engage. And if you're a believer, that you would re-engage in the good fight and with verse 17 in mind. It changes the whole deal, by the way. If you go in and you're trying to fight with your own effort, that's one thing you can accomplish a little bit, right? But if you go in with verse 17 in mind, If you have that attitude of worship as you go and serve the kids, as you go and connect people and welcome people, as you go and do your your ordinary lives but with the gospel intentionality, it changes the game when you do it for him. He gives you an energy and a power about those things that is very different than if you do it of your own accord. It changes the game. And so our heart at FBN is that we would be worshipful people so overwhelmed by who he is, so so moved by his grace and mercy in our lives that we cannot help but to let our whole lives be a doxology of praise to him. That we would live doxologically. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I like it. That we would have a lifestyle that is doxological in the way that we live in constant praise and constant response to the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives, to the sovereign nature and character that is just him that we would do that. And listen, here at FBN, what I love about this place and what I think might be fairly unique about FBN, uh, compared to a lot of ministries, obviously I'm partial, right? Uh, There's a lot of vibrant ministries in town who also have adopted some of these things and I'm about to share with you that we are serious here about helping you engage in this. Myself and you, we want to join together in this, to love God, to love people, to reach the world. That's what we've been called to do. And God has equipped this ministry mightily, guided by his word, his Holy Spirit, for sure, that we would be engaged with an integrity of worship and faith. So I want to share with you a few things this morning. This is kind of how we're going to close. It's going to be unique. It's going to be kind of fun. It's going to be kind of weird maybe for you. I don't know. I don't care a lot. But (laughs) what I do want to say is that FBN is ready to engage with you. We're ready to go there. We absolutely are, and there's three ways that I want to share this with you. The first is simply this, that we have a discipleship process. If you are here and you're saying, I want to go deeper with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I have no idea where to begin, well, we can help you with that. First of all, we wouldn't be much good pastors and elders if we couldn't, you know. Uh, But second of all, we actually have a plan and process. It's simple. It's been vetted by our elders, 
Uh, we've prayed over this. We've put our heart and soul into this. And it is a plan that it, it, literally any of you, uh, believer for 20 years or just new to the faith, you can come to us and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And we have a plan for you because we love you. We're intentional about you growing with Jesus Christ. And we wanted something that we could look to, Right? And so it's sourced by his word. It's full of just so much seasoned, uh, just Holy Spirit um, um, efforts and, and personal efforts. And it's provided for us. And we want, if that's you, if that's where you're at, please, please, we love to have that meeting with people. Don't we? We love it. Absolutely love it. The second is this. Was we have opportunities, and these opportunities are part of the process, Okay. Opportunities, first of all, for groups. We're starting our group signups this week. I'm excited. I'm really excited. And we have a lot of group members ready to go there. <coughs> Excuse me, ready to go there with you. We have D groups and life groups. That's kind of our model. Now, D groups, um, just going to lay it out for you so you know what you're getting into if you si- decide to sign up. Um, we'll start with D groups over here. These are gender specific groups. So, all guys, all girls. And what you do, <coughs> typically, typically, is you go through a Bible reading plan or leader's choice. The leader can change that up if they want. It's a gracious weekly or bi-weekly. I call it gracious because if you miss a week, you're meeting every week, right? So like, you, you can miss a week. Also, there's holidays and that kind of stuff. We are trying to draw a commitment, but at the same time, we don't want to be so rigid that you guys don't want to do it. <laughs> Flexibility. This is a great option for busy families. <coughs> Thinking of... You know, people with um, just busy, busy young families, it might be easier for the guy to go to a D group early morning and for the woman to go to a D group, you know, at 7 p.m. on a Saturday night. It might just be easier for your family to, to pull it off that way. The other alternative is life groups, uh, traditionally kind of small groups, but we're taking a whole different route. We're actually going to keep them small, which is a, a big plus. Um, and at the same time, we have just a, a wonderful, vibrant community of group leaders, and we're going to be meeting and praying together um, and, and sourcing this thing through that way. But this will be good for families, couples, uh, individuals, couples, if you want to do something together, this will be good for that. And what they're going to go through is the sermon content and passage. It's going to be a whole other opportunity for you um, to go through what we talked about, to take the scripture passage of the day and to take the talking points and to actually give all of it a, a deeper chance to sink into your life. Right? And you can talk about it with some, some people, and you can develop that community. Um, on and on, same schedule, all that kind of stuff. Great pathway for, for reaching others, thinking about you know, just a house and neighborhoods and, and looping in neighbors and looping in people that you know into that experience. Awesome, awesome stuff. But listen, regardless of what group you go to, these are the pillars. At FBN, all of our group leaders are going to be uh, serious about this. And the first is this, biblical discernment. You won't have a group meeting without the Bible being a part of it. The second is this, authentic community. We want this, right? Don't we want this, by the way? Anybody suffered from this with, you know, COVID? It's kind of killed that in a, in a sense. And if you're feeling that, then please join a group. Gospel intentionality, ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. This is the best way to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And we want to cultivate that in you. And then servant hearts. It's great to put hands to your faith to do something, to be active in something together. So if you join a group, this is what you can expect, okay? 
Now, not only do we have groups, but we also have these FBN serve uh, places. We have FBN Tots, Kids, Buddies, Connect, and our big one, um, they're all pretty big and important, but Tots, it just, it takes uh, the biggest toll on our ministry. And so uh, we have some exciting changes that we're going to make to that with our rotation and stuff. And so uh, we have a video and It's probably going to be laggy again, Brooke. I'm really sorry about that. But just try to track. um, (laughs) Just pretend she has a mask on. So focus on the audio, okay? Um, That's how you'll need to watch this video. So let's watch that video. Hi, I'm Brooke. And if we haven't met yet, I enjoy working with the FBN Tots here. We serve the parents of children zero through four years old. And we are rolling out a new rotation for that on April 4th. And we're looking to hopefully fill one service so we can provide one service for these children and their parents to go enjoy the service. Instead of going by weekly rotations, we're now gonna go to monthly rotations. So just think of it as a sports season. So you have the nursery season, you have soccer season. You just know that that portion of the year is for that certain thing. So if you sign up for the ideal three-month commitment, it could be any three months. It doesn't have to be all in a row. That would be 12 hours out of your whole year. So it's really not a big ask. It's not a ton of your time. All right, so there are kind of three asks that I'm, I'm looking to present to you today. The first one is that you pray. I just ask you to pray for wisdom to know if this is a ministry that God is calling you to. And then I would like you to This is the fun part. You get to pick your people, your class, and your months that you serve. So I think it'd be really neat to serve with another family, maybe a family that you'd like to get together with more. You could just ask if they would be willing to do it with you. Or if you'd just like to have a friend that you like to hang out with, serve at the nursery with you, or serve back in FBN Toss with you. And then you two could coordinate, or the two families could coordinate, or just your family could coordinate on which months would work best for you to serve back in the FBN Tots. My prayer is just that you see this as an opportunity, as a gift to give to the Lord, because really spending time with his children is such a blessing, and we have such a precious bunch back there that I know you'll enjoy. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Brooke, for uh, putting that together, and uh, we want you to feel totally equipped and ready for anything that you'd sign up back there. Um, So, TOTS, uh, typically we used to do, you serve once a month. We're consolidating that effort and say, why don't you serve um, one month, three times a year? It's still only 12 service times through the course of the year, but it consolidates it, gives you a chance to know the kids better, gives them something to expect for once back there, um, and on and on the reasons go. Uh, Brooke did so much research, uh, called a bunch of churches, turns out none of them do it exactly the same, so we found out there's no perfect way to do this. So if you come up to me and her and say, what you guys should do is this, I'm going to tell you right now, already thought of it. Already thought of it. We're still going with this one. So partner up with us. Uh, give us a chance to try this out. Uh, we want to see how it goes. And so it would be one month, three times a year, a consolidated commitment, very similar to what she just said on the video. Uh, we commit to a lot of things, don't we? I mean, if you, if you sign up for a sport, then you're committing to a game and a practice a week for 12 weeks or, you know, six weeks or whatever it is. It's a heavy commitment, Right? So we're not asking for a lot. You know, through the year, it's like 12 hours worth of your time. Um, But it helps us a ton. Helps us a ton, 
right? So consider that. Connect is on the same uh, schedule as that. That's our greeting ministry where you can come in, give people a great first impression. If you don't know how to smile, don't sign up for that ministry. But if you can smile and if you can welcome somebody here and just give them a, a good taste, let them taste and see that the Lord is good here at FBN, we want you, okay? <clears throat> and then we have our FBN kids, which is our K through third. Right? Uh, you can sign up on a sheet back there. It's not really rotation-based as much, though that might be part of the solution. But you're going to work directly with Matt and Sarah, who are going to kind of create um, a schedule for you. They're going to create um, the pathway for you that works for you. And then the same with our buddies, uh, which is a very special uh, ministry. Um, it's a ministry that Jennifer Kirkham oversees. Um, and these are uh, our little special needs uh, kids. My, one, of my, one of them is my son. Uh, we have an, another little guy in there as well. And we love for people to just come and just be a one-on-one partner with them and just help them do things so they could just be a part of the group, right? So if you have a heart for special needs, please uh, um, sign up for that. Also, a few sign-up tips. Consolidate your commitment, right? Um, I don't know if you like the whole a la carte deal, you know, where you want to do one of everything, but with how the rotations are, that's not going to be great. What actually will be more beneficial to us and the people that you're serving is for you to pick a group and roll with it, right? So if you feel drawn to nursery, go with it. If you feel drawn to FBN kids, then go all in and consolidate all of that a la carte investment that you would have done, scattered around and put it all into one place, right? And that's going to be a great relationship with you and the people in that ministry, if you don't know where to start, start with Connect. Again, only if you can smile and say, hey, welcome to FBN. Right? If you can't smile, don't sign up. But if you can, right, start with Connect. It's a great way to just get to know people, to know the lay of the land. Um, if you're excited about this place, we want you there. Um, if you want to meet the need, if you're thinking, you know, I really want to go where the need is, I would say start with TOTS. We need all of it. Uh, we need all of it for sure, but TOTS is, is the, the heavier one. It requires probably 24, I think, to get through the year, correct, with how we have it laid out? 24 people, and that's just for one service, okay? And then, again, if you have a heart for special needs, start with buddies. That'll be a great, great uh, relationship between you and those, those little people, all right? So that's number two. You have opportunity here. All of those signups are back there. It'll be posted up for the next month. We'll be out there fielding questions and everything. So again, if you leave today just saying, I'm going to pray about it, then that's, that's good. Third is this. Okay? And this is where it gets fun. We have people. People. Right? Lots of people that are ready to hold your hand and walk you through all of this stuff. We have staff. We have elders. We have ministry directors. And we have group leaders. All of which right, uh, have decided to devote themselves to these ministry areas, right? And so what we're actually going to do this morning is introduce as many of them as possible to you, right? Seems like a big undertaking, uh, and it is one. So um, we're going to do it. Uh, let me go ahead and just say this. If you're going to come up here and give your introduction, um, simply say your name and say what you oversee. Don't feel like you've got to give us a description. We did that in the first service, and it was okay. Uh, we don't have time for this service, okay? So just simply name and what you oversee. And what we're going to do is I'm going to invite our staff up, kind of start over here. And then the elders, you can kind of follow them if you want. Like I said, this will be a little awkward. That's good for the tall people, Brandon, but what about the short people? All right, so Pastor Brett's going to lead it off, and then after that, I'll, we'll introduce our ministry directors and our group leaders. And uh, my wife, Corinne, and I are excited to be group leaders uh, this year. 
I'm Brandon Pittenger. I'm the pastor of worship and student ministries. And yeah, Grace and I both lead that group together. I'm Maggie Kaiser. I'm the ministry intern here this semester. Um, I'm from ISU, and I work with four different programs. One of them is CCS, and the other one is homeschool that I lead specifically. I'm Kara Bosworth, and I work in the office in the mornings, and uh, my husband and I are leading a group. Uh, my name is Morgan Anderson. Um, I'm on staff in the office. I work in the second half of the day. Um, I'm also ministry director for Guest Next Steps, and I'm leading a D group this year. Michael Hogan, elder, just wrapped up two years of discipleship. Uh, if you're considering it, I would highly recommend it. Good morning, I'm Mark Schuld. I am overseeing the missions ministries and our building project. I'm Ron Forster, and I'm one of the elders of the church, uh, responsible for being with the staff and, and uh, building, overseeing building and uh, the financial team here at the church. Also, I'm working with the um, uh, college age ministry as teaching a minister there. And um, I'm starting a D group come this April and invite any of the guys that are interested in going through the Bible with me uh, to do that. Greg Starkey, uh, facilities manager. I'm going to be leading a, a D group, also uh, co-treasurer with Drew Holmond. Um, let me go ahead and invite all of our uh, ministry directors and group leaders up as well. Same exact thing, just state your name uh, and state what ministry uh, you oversee or what kind of group that you'll be leading. Um, that'll be great. <laughs> it's okay. Hi, I'm Tracy Saris, and I'm blessed and excited to be part of Shalom Fitness Ministries. Um, I'm Roxanne Poe, and um, I'm the ministry director for the Connect team and um, help with the fitness ministries with Tracy. I'm Jeff McIntosh, and my wife and I, uh, Je my wife Jessica and I oversee a ministry we call Fostering Hope here at, at, at FBM. Hello, I'm uh, Travis Beckner, and uh, I'm the new director of uh, FBN uh, Courses here. I'm Luke Carr. Um, I'm the media director, audio-visual. Uh, Lawrence was going to mute me, so I'm really glad he didn't. Thanks. <laughs> uh, my name's Joe, and my wife and I are life group leaders. I'm Matt Buell, and my wife Sarah and I are the children's ministry directors. I'm Grace Kravis, and I'm leading a D group. Uh, I'm Briar Nevins. I'm a student ministry leader. I'm Drew Allman. I'm a co-treasurer with Greg Starkey. Hey, I'm Seth. Um, I'm leading a life group with my wife, Emily. Hi, I'm Brooke, and I am the ministry director for FBN Tots. 
I'm Chris Mathis. I'll be reading, or I'll be uh, leading the community outreach. I'm Jennifer Kirkham, and I work with the special needs um, buddy ministry. Jeff, I didn't mean to leave you out. I'm really thankful for Jeff McIntosh. He's one of our buddies, and Danielle way in the back. She's one of our buddies. So, thank you guys. I'm Josh Waywood. I lead a life group. Maxwell and Alina D. Group. I'm Lisa Havlia, and we've had a D. Group for six months, and my husband Phil and I are on the community outreach team. Hey, I'm Kenzie Connor, and I'm leading a life group with Adam, my husband. I'm Amy Gibson, and do meals ministry. This is totally unscripted, and I'm really nervous, but it's fine. Uh, Shelby McConaughey and Chelsea Tilford, our husbands and um, us, we do the three-year-old Sunday school. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody keep a count? And that wasn't all of them. Uh, That wasn't all of them. In the first service, we had them all stand up here, and it was a sight to behold but it wasn't very social distance, so uh, we decided to change that up a little bit. But they're in the back, they're around. Listen, that's just some of them, so many others uh, that weren't able to be here today. So many more of you who have been volunteering, who have been uh, a part of all of this process, and I'm sure I missed a bunch more. The point is this, and I hope you got it. We're ready for you. Uh, we're absolutely 100% ready for you, and we have an army of people ready to, uh, to go there with you, certainly to join in with you, but also to lead you, to guide you, to equip you, to do whatever it is that you need to live out doxologically, to worship the Lord with your life, with every aspect of you. And so the invitation today is would you stand with us, would you engage with us, right? That's our invitation to you today, uh, to live worshipfully and to let some of that flow out from yourself to FBN in the groups, uh, in the service opportunities. We're here for you. Has the point been made? I hope it has. Let's stand. We're going to pray together. Our Father, thank you so much for each and every person in this room. Thank you so much for each and every person who we just heard from and the many who, who we didn't, who are group leaders and ministry directors and um, elders and staff and people who have just given their lives to this place uh, to some degree or another to equip, right, to encourage, to edify um, all of us, God, in, in the way that we would worship you with the way that we live, certainly because of who you are, certainly because of what you've done. God, may we live with the doxology on our lips and lives at at all times, giving you praise in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.